0: 118 through 31 The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God as the scriptures say I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent so where does this leave the philosophers the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters. God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended than the Gentiles say. It's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you, were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise, and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, No one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Amen. Amen.
1: you've probably heard the saying, there's an app for that. You've probably also heard the saying, fake news. Well, did you know that there's an app for fake news? It gives you the headlines. It gives you real headlines. And you have to determine if they're true or false. Now, an app like that can only work because we have an insatiable desire to hear only what we want to hear. Fake news and fake headlines exist because there's a demand for it. See, in a twisted way, fake news and gossip helps us feel better about ourselves. It puffs up our thoughts. It fulfills our desire to know things, even if those things aren't the truth. And this is what's going on in the city of Corinth and why Paul is writing to them. Paul's addressing in this first chapter of 1 Corinthians because there was gossip. There were rumors. People were looking to hear what they wanted to hear. Some people were claiming to follow Paul. Others were claiming to follow Cephas. Others followed Apollos. Others followed Jesus. They followed whoever had the message that they wanted to hear. Even if it wasn't the truth. If they followed someone who said something they liked, then it became their truth. Don't we do that today? Especially with the internet. Facebook and Twitter, they're full of followers. Lots of people and companies are competing for our attention. They claim to have all the answers we need. You want a better marriage? Follow this group over here. You want a, a, a more fulfilling life? Follow this group. You want better behaved kids? Follow this group. And on and on it goes. You see, we want life to make sense. So we're constantly thinking, we're constantly processing and interpreting everything that goes on around us. We take in all the information that makes sense to us, that we like, and we just got rid of the rest. See, Paul's message to the Corinthians is a call to follow Jesus. It's a call to lay down our weaknesses. It's a call to look to the power of the cross, to strengthen us, to give us wisdom. Whatever it is you need, the cross has the answer. But Paul begins with, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. See, the cross for us today has become just a symbol of Christianity. It's become an object of art, an object in jewelry. We tend to forget what it represented for the early Christians. See, the cross was a cruel instrument of death in Jesus' time. And yet the cross is at the very center of the lives who followed the one who hung on it. Whose blood ran red on it? Who would think that that would be a way to save the world? It's foolishness to the world. It doesn't make sense by human standards. It makes no sense at all. As Christians, we're people of the resurrection. Well, if we're people of the resurrection, shouldn't we have a big stone as our symbol instead of a cross? No. You know why? Because we can't get to that big stone without the cross. The cross is that important. Why wear a cross? Jay had a a story. He had um, an interaction with someone a couple years ago. And the person at the, he was wearing a cross necklace at the time, and the person had come up to him and saw it and said, "Why are you wearing that cross around your neck?" Because, you know, if my relative was shot, I certainly wouldn't wear the gun around my neck. so why, why are you wearing a cross around your neck?" The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It doesn't make sense. But you know what? The cross wasn't unique to Jesus. Hundreds, thousands of people died by means of this cross. But that is exactly why Jesus died on one. Because at the center of Christian faith, we recognize that the most horrible thing to ever happen was also the most wonderful thing that ever happened. Paul Tripp asks us this question. He says, Could it be possible for something to happen more terrible than Jesus' death on a cross? Could any injustice be greater than Jesus dying on a cross? Could any loss be more painful? Could any suffering be worse? The only man who ever lived a life that was perfect in every way, who gave his life for the sake of many, who willingly suffered from birth to death, he was cruelly publicly murdered in a most vicious way. And so for the early church they had to be wondering how could it happen that the son of man could die? How could it be that men could capture the Messiah torture him and kill him? We thought he was the Messiah. Is this the end of all that we thought was good? If it could happen To the Messiah. Is there any hope for us? That's what they had to be thinking. Because this was torture. This was brutal. The Apostle Paul says, yes, there's hope. The cross is not the end of the story. In God's righteous and wise plan, this dark and disastrous moment was ordained by God. That was to be the moment that would fix all the dark and disastrous thing that sin has done in our world. This moment of death was at the same time a moment of hope. It was a moment of life. This hopeless moment of Jesus on the cross was the moment where eternal hope was born. This terrible moment of injustice was at the very same time a moment of amazing grace. This moment of intense suffering guaranteed that suffering would end one day for everyone. The moment of sadness was welcomed to us by eternal joy of the heart that Jesus got for us on the cross. The capture and death of Jesus purchased life and freedom for us. But that is exactly why the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. We will never understand the the power of the cross, the full, unrelenting power of the cross. We'll never grasp it. We're blessed to get a glimpse of it. But we first have to understand the power of sin in our lives and the foolishness of the things that we chase in this world. If we don't believe we're sick, why would we bother taking medicine? You're my father-in-law. He's he's a wonderful man. But he he just had this idea in his head that if he just didn't go to the doctor, then he wasn't sick, even though he was sick. He was sick. Well, if I go to the doctor, then they'll tell me I'm sick, and I have to face the reality of being sick. But if we don't go, then look, I'm not sick. So I don't need medicine. It's the same with the power of the cross. You have to admit that you're sick in order to access it. In God's economy, sin is ultimately connected to forgiveness. God is not only the judge, but he is the one who has obtained a pardon on our behalf. But at the cost of the blood of Jesus. See, recognizing and admitting my sin that is the only way to get forgiveness. It is the only way to get to the resurrection. and It is the only way to get hope. And it's the only way that this cross makes sense. But it's not enough to just take that easy road out. It's not enough to just say, Oh yes, Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. No, it needs to be personal. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. If I was the only one on this planet that was sinning, he still would have gone to the cross for me. The cross brings us to Jesus It's my sin that's incurable on my own. It's messed me up and it's messed you up. It's messed up the entire world. It's ruined our lives. And yet, it becomes the only hope through the cross of Christ that we have. What Paul is saying to the Corinthians, he says, it doesn't matter how much you think you know. It doesn't matter how much work you do for God. It doesn't matter how much you study the word. It doesn't matter how many verses you know. You will never grow in a relationship with God unless you recognize yourself as a sinner in need of saving. Here's a question that we all need to wrestle with. When you think of Jesus on the cross, do you feel sorry for him? Or do you feel sorry for your sin that put him on it? Because the value and the meaning of the cross in our lives, that's dependent upon our awareness of our own sin. When we feel more sorry for Jesus than we do for our sin that put him there. The cross loses its meaning. I'll tell you, when I first became a Christian, I was in that place. When I was raised up in the church, I was in that place of, oh, how horrible that Jesus had to go to the cross for the world's sin. And then there was one time I watched the Passions movie. And I sobbed through the whole thing. You know why? Because I said it was me that put him there. It was me that got him tortured. And I sit there and every time I watch it, I just sob. Because we have to address the sin in our lives in order for this cross to make sense. To access that power We have to know the sin in us that put him there. Only then will we have that hope. Only then can we access the power of the resurrection, the power of the cross. As Paul says, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those who recognize their unworthiness, for those that recognize the price of their sin upon Jesus. To those people, the cross is the very power of God. That is the power that saves us from the eternal consequences of our sin. See, the cross is where God meets humanity. The cross proclaims the power and the glory of God. But only those being saved can even begin to understand that love. The grace, the mercy, and the hope that the cross has brought us. See, the cross is a reminder that in the hands of the Redeemer, moments of defeat become wonderful moments of grace. Moments of victory. You want a better marriage? Look to the cross. You want better behaved kids? Don't go to Facebook. Go to the cross. You want a more fulfilling life? Don't go to Twitter. Go to the cross. Because the same God who planned that the worst thing would be the best thing, he is your heavenly father. He rules over every moment of your life. And in his powerful grace, he is able to do for you exactly what he did in in redemptive history. He takes the disasters in your life, He makes them tools of redemption. He takes your failures and uses them as tools of grace. He uses death of the foreign world to motivate you to reach out for life. The hardest things in your life then become the sweetest tools of grace In his loving hands. Our father is committed to taking what seems so bad. And turning it into something very, very good. Who do you choose to follow? Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. And follow him. That requires a recognition of our weakness, a recognition of our sin. It means that we nail them to the cross and allow His mercy and His grace to flow through us. Then we'll understand the power of the cross because then we'll live for Him. As we close out our service tonight, we're not doing just a an altar call. We're not doing just a call to prayer. This is about you laying your burdens right at the cross. You were all given a piece of paper when you came in tonight, and a pen. Write down your burden. Write down what you are thankful for on the cross. And you can come forward, hammer it. There's nails and a hammer up here. Nail it to the cross so that your struggle, whatever it is that you're dealing with today, you're giving it to Jesus and you're leaving it here at the cross. He died for your freedom. Don't keep carrying it. Lord, we pray our open hearts Lord reveal to us the grace in our lives reveal to us your mercy reveal to us our sin our weaknesses Lord reveal to us what we can't seem to let go of Lord let it come to our mind so we can leave it here nail it to the cross once and for all The cross is hard to understand, Lord. But in your hands, it has power. It is victory, and it is life and hope. And for that, we are grateful. We are in awe of you, Lord. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. I'm going to ask the music to start. sinful